You may be seated. Gosh, is it so great to be here back with you? Um, it just lifts my spirits, so thank you for being here. And I'm so excited to hear Doug Kogan. Um, I'm just so grateful, Doug. Thank you for being here. Um, welcome. I wonder if you, like me, have been uh, watching the Olympics. I, I got to confess, I'm, I'm a bit of a junkie. The last couple of nights, I, I've fallen asleep, essentially, in front of the TV. Last night, it was the uh, women's volleyball. Um, I just... I can't, I don't worry, I'm not going to give it away because I, I don't know who won. Um, I, I, I can think back from this Olympics and Olympics past of stories that just compel me. Um, and, and one of them I remember, it must have been 1992, where this, uh, I don't know if it was even a woman or a man, tripped and fell in a running race. And this person's father came down out of the stands and helped them across the finish line. And as I watched it, I didn't just cry a little. It burst out like somebody just punched me in the face. I mean, I just burst out crying, just like a hard, like, wow, that just took uh, me for a ride that I didn't even expect or see coming. I think about this Olympics and the courage of Simone Biles to come out and say, look, I, I can't do these tricks because I've got this thing, they call it the twisties, I think, where you don't know where you are in the air. And I think, you know, the warrior mentality is you got to go out there and you got to compete anyway. You got to go out there. You got to face it. You got to have courage. And I found that, or believe that she actually exhibited more courage because of what people would say. But she stepped down because, first of all, it wasn't safe. But second of all, it gave another athlete a chance to do their best. And I thought, how, how courageous that was and how grateful I am for her example. So I, I think the... What, what I love so much about the Olympics is the reflection of what I value. And a couple of those things, one of them I just talked about, courage, is something that, that I identify with those athletes. First of all, the courage to just compete. I mean, the most terrified and nervous I've ever been was getting ready to step on a wrestling mat and these athletes step out there on the world stage, but to think of all the training they've gone through just to be able to go out there and put themselves on the line. They train for four, obviously more than that even, years, not knowing whether they're even going to get a chance. And most likely knowing that winning a gold medal is pretty unlikely. So I'm inspired and awed by their courage. I also value the spirit of coming together and competing together. And I think so much of our culture says that I come there to beat. I come there to beat you. 
And I think a lot of times what I see in the Olympics is people coming together to cooperate in a game and to compete together. And that's something I value. I love competing. But in order to compete, I appreciate having somebody there with me to compete with. So they're actually my partner, not my enemy. And I see that embodied in the Olympics. So while all these things are true, it made me laugh that when the announcer at some point last night said something about us catching the number of gold medals for Ch as China or something s along those lines, that I actually perked up and thought, oh, did we catch the Chinese in gold medals? I'm glad you're laughing, Sally. That's hilarious. All these things that I care about, the courage and the cooperative spirit, and that's just to name a few, pale in comparison to who has more gold medals. And I'm not saying it's a sin that I care about the gold medal count I, or, or anybody else who does, but it makes me stop and once again reflect on the ways in which I've been corrupted by the siren song of our culture that thinks differently than our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Jesus calls me to follow God and follow Him. And yet sometimes our culture kind of stands at cross purposes with that. So I confess that I get sucked in and I don't want to. I want to keep my eyes on Jesus and follow Him. Would you pray with me please? Lord, I confess that I'm, I'm blinded and I'm suckered into things that I, I know you think differently about and that you want differently from me. Lord, I recognize that it's the people. It's, it's the people around me that I have the opportunity to be your hands, to love and support and encourage in the way that you want them to be loved. So Lord, as the song that we sing so often goes, give me your eyes to see people in the way that you see them. Give me your heart to love people the way you love them. In the name of Jesus, amen. And now the first lesson from Ephesians chapter uh, 4, verse 25 through uh, chapter 5, verse 2. So then, putting away falsehood, let all of us speak the truth to our neighbors, for we are members of one another. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not make room for the devil. Thieves must give up stealing rather than let them labor and work honestly with their own hands so as to have something to share with the needy. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up, as there is no need, so that your words may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with which you were marked with a seal for the day of redemption. Put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander, together with ma all malice, and be kind to one another tender-hearted, forgiving one another, 
as God in Christ has forgiven you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Amen. choir for that lovely anthem. I am so sorry I'm not there to sing that with you. It, uh, it was lovely, but um, I'm, uh, it was, uh, I really like that song. I was, I'm sorry I didn't get to sing it with you. <laughs>
<laughs> but uh, and thank you, Dan, for the excellent, excellent uh, confession. Very well done. Uh, so uh, listen to the word of God. The uh, next reading is from the Gospel of John, chapter six, verses uh, from 35 to, uh, and 41 to 51. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. Whoever believes in me will never thirst. The others began to complain about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They're saying, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, do not complain among yourselves. No one can come to me unless drawn by the father who sent me. And I will raise that person up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever, and the bread that I will give for life is the and and the bread that I give for the life of the world is my flesh. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Our heavenly Father, we pray that your word is revealed, not the word of the earth or the word of us mortals, but that your word is revealed in this speech and that anything that is not of your will is forgotten but that which is of your will is remembered in jesus name we pray amen so before we begin i wanted to remind for those who maybe missed the announcements or if you forgot later on in the sermon it'll be handy if you can think of a person that really just gets under your skin and maybe more than gets under your skin, you really have ill feelings toward. Uh, it'll come in handy later on. Uh, and uh, hopefully it's nobody in this room. But And um, so if you know me at all, you know I'm a big science fan. And I'm a big technology fan. I love the space program, and I love building things. My, my undergraduate degree is actually in the humanities, but you know I make software for a living. And I just love science, and as is our whole household. And it really pains me that we have reached this point in our culture where it seems you get to either be religious or you get to be scientific, and the two sides have to hate each other, right? And it's like one side doesn't trust the other or one side ridicules the other. Uh, you know, I have uh, friends who are scientists, and... You know, they they like me, but they don't get this weird, wacky thing I do on Sunday mornings and go to church and believe in something that they think is just nonsense. And uh, as we all know, there are a lot of very religious people who are rejecting right, the, the words of science and, um, you know, causing some pain in this world. And uh, that's a real shame. It's a shame that there is this disconnect, right, that there's this butting against each other. So even though I did talk about some physics stuff in a prior uh, sermon, 
I'm going to go back to that well and I'm going to talk about a few things to try to bridge the gap and remind us all that science and religion really can go together. And in fact, uh, the person who came up with the idea of the Big Bang, not, not the TV show, but the real theory, the Big Bang, uh, was a Belgian priest. He was a Belgian priest and he gave a speech about how he thought the universe came into existence and Albert Einstein heard it. He said, I think he's right. That's how we got the idea of the Big Bang. It actually came from a religious leader. And there are a lot of religious people who say, well, the Big Bang can't be because then it takes billions of years to get from the Big Bang to us. And it says in the Bible the earth was made in six days. And uh, this person just made the point, which is deeply disputed, right, between those who want to take the Genesis story literally and not, that all you have to do is translate the Hebrew word yom, which is being translated as day in the book of Genesis, which can sometimes mean era or time. In the first group of time, there was nothing, and God said, let there be light. And then a later group of time, God made the earth. In another group of time, God made plants. In another group of time, God made animals. In another group of time, God made people. If you word it that way, that is exactly in sync between the Bible and what science currently believes is how the universe and us came into existence. Now, some people try to use science to prove God or disprove God, and I think that's a fool's errand. But I like to use science to demonstrate God, to remind me of God, to illuminate God, and to help inspire us. Um, you know, there are those who say if we, if we study science, it drives us away from God. I, every time I see something scientific, I think this is an amazing marvel that God made for us. If you give me a microscope, I don't see less of God. I see more of God. You give me a telescope, I see way more of God. Right? And I, I chose the, uh, the, the call to worship. When I consider thy heavens and the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what are we that thou art mindful of us? So I have three points regarding interstellar physics that to me greatly illustrate God and his care for us. And the first is, so if we're going to talk about the Big Bang, the first thing that happened was there was nothing and then matter was created and energy. And the first things that were made were very light elements. There was no iron, there was no aluminum, there was no calcium, just gases. Those gases coalesced into stars and they burned for billions of years Eventually, they blew up and in that process created the heavier elements that we can experience. So it wasn't until those stars came into being and generated those elements. Before then, there was no iron or calcium or aluminum in the world or in, in the universe. After they exploded, they coalesced into new stars and our solar system was formed. And that's how we get all of the material things that are around us. The calcium that's in our bones and the iron that's in our blood used to be inside of a star that blew up long ago. And that star had to die for us to live. We are made up of the material of the eons. 
It's coursing through our veins right now. So that's the first one. The second is about our sun. Our sun is hydrogen, and it compresses that hydrogen down into its core, and it makes helium, and in the process, it makes light and heat and gives us life. Also in that process, when it makes that light, the core is so compressed, that light just bounces around. It bounces around inside of the core of the sun. We think of light as traveling, right, instantaneously, right, the speed of light. But the core of the sun is so dense, it gets trapped in there. And it doesn't come out for thousands of years. Some people think that the light that hits the earth was formed 100,000 years ago. Think about that. This light right now that's coming through that window and lighting up this room was formed in the sun before the creation of our nation, before the invention of the English language, before the birth of Christ, before the invention of civilization and agriculture, when we were making cave paintings. That's when that light was formed. We are part of eternity. We are part of a story that transcends time and space. And the third is, speaking of the sun, right? in addition to the light that travels from the sun, there are gases that blow through the solar system. It's called the solar wind. right? Now we've made probes. We've taken some of that iron that got made from that exploding star billions of years ago. We made telescopes and spaceships and flew them off to try to study the solar wind. And we sent spaceships to Mars. Right? And what do we think? We think that Mars used to have running water. Right? Our probes there find dried riverbeds. We see the signs of erosion. We think there used to be one running water on Mars. But the current atmosphere of Mars can't sustain running water. It's gone. Where's it gone? The solar wind hit Mars and it blew the atmosphere away over the course of billions of years. Now, Mars is further away from the sun than we are. Why do we still have running water? Because there is an electromagnetic field in the Earth. Right? If you've ever used a compass, right? that's how a compass points north. There's an electromagnetic field in the Earth. And it surrounds the world with a magnetic field. When the solar wind hits it, it bounces off the Earth like a shield. It bounces away. And that's what makes the aurora borealis. That was what makes the aurora australis. That, those beautiful lights that we see, that's our salvation. If that didn't exist, we would be as dead as Mars. You know, and there's that song, he's got the whole world in his hands. When I think about the, the electromagnetic field of the earth, that's what I think of. I think of this cup, because that's what it looks like. If you ever see a picture of the electromagnetic field, it looks like God's hands around the world. That these, the solar wind hits it and it flies away. So we are part of eternity. We are part of a story that began before our civilization. Right? The material of dead stars is running through our veins. That light is from before anyone could write anything down on paper. We are protected. Right? When Jesus says, I am the bread of the world and I give you life, this is the kind of thing God's talking about. Right? He's talking about, I'll protect all of you. And you know what? There's nothing any of us can do about it. We can't say to God, you know what? I don't, I don't want part of this. 
I don't want to be part of the cosmic universe and have stardust running in my veins. I don't want the electromagnetic field to protect me. I'll be okay on my own. Right? I don't want the light that shines on me to be from an ancient time. I don't want any part of that. You have no choice. And you also don't have any choice about God's love. Right? It says in, in the epistles, right? There is nothing we can do to separate us from the love of God. There's nothing that can separate us from the stardust in our veins. There's nothing that can separate us from the magnetic field that surrounds the earth. We are together. We are unified. And we are part of the great cosmic story. And I hope that that makes you feel good. Right? So think about next time you're out outside and the sun is hitting you and you're casting a shadow. Give that a moment's thought that that beam of light started inside the sun 100,000 years ago, bounced all around, flew across the solar system, and hit you. That was the first thing it hit, the only thing it hit. And you cast a shadow. It is special for you. That's part of God's grace. God's grace is enough to touch us all. We are all part of it. And I hope that feels that makes you feel good. I hope, you, I hope you're basking in that a little bit and say, this is awesome. I feel really good about myself. I love the fact that I am part of this great society, this great cosmic population. And then there's that person that I asked you to think about. So what about that person? The news is there's stardust running through that person's veins too. The light that falls on that person started 100,000 years ago in the sun too. The electromagnetic field of the earth protects that person too. And God loves that person too. Right? And there's nothing that can separate the love of God from that person too. So if you think about right, what Dan read just, just a minute ago, if I can find it. Dan said, Put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander, together with malice, and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. Now, hopefully, it makes it a little easier to think of this other person after I kind of describe this. I Hopefully, in two ways. First of, all, first of all, I hope you feel so embraced thinking about your place that when you thought of that other person, maybe when you first thought of the person, you kind of thought, I don't like that guy. And after you kind of reflected and thought how much God loves you, maybe when that person entered your mind, it's like, well, all right. I don't like that person, but maybe with a little bit less of an edge. And hopefully it will help you remember that yeah, God loves that person too. And I got to tell you, uh, you know, this, this, these are the lectionary readings. These are the, the readings that have been selected by Presbytery a long time ago. These follow the pattern that have, we have been reading. And we talk about manna, right, and the bread of life that was leading to this. I was tempted to select something else, but uh, especially because, frankly, I'm not really very good at this last one, this you know, put away from you all bitterness and, and wrath and anger. Uh, I got to tell you, if, if all the things in the Bible 
there, there are times, I, I think I have just too good a memory for my own good sometimes. That uh, I can just dredge up all kinds of things where somebody did, did something wrong or said something wrong or didn't say something when they should have. And uh, I, I let it get to me, I'll be honest. And uh, this was uh, a bit of a challenge to come up with. Well, what is the right message I can give in this regard? And uh, I'll just remind you, right, it's not me asking because I'm a flawed human who suffers from, from these sins. But it's God who's asking. God who's asking and saying, I've given you this. I have made you part of the cosmic family. And, and when you think about it, right? When I consider the heavens and the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what are we? What are we? What does this mean that we're made of stardust and part of this cosmic world? How could it be possible that God would forsake us? Right? Clearly, when Jesus says, I am the bread of the world, and whoever believes in me will have eternal life. Right? Whoever comes to me will not be thirsty, will not be hungry in a spiritual way. And another thing that Dan read is that once you are forgiven, once you feel forgiven, right? Labor with honesty with their own hands so it's just to have something to share with the needy, right? In response to this great gift that we have, the promise of eternal life, of forgiveness and salvation, and part of the cosmic community. Now share, right? We're going to say the prayer shortly that says, Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Right? That's part of it. But we are already forgiven. And now, share that forgiveness. Share the mercy. Share of our material things. And John is going to speak of a great opportunity uh, when you talk about those who are, you know, thirsty, right? Who come to Jesus will never thirst. A great opportunity to physically help those who are thirsty. So my friends, consider this as you leave this place. We are part of the great cosmic community. We are part of eternity. God will not forsake us. And they won't forsake those around you, even the people you don't like. Uh, So, as Dan said about the Olympics, right? It's not our enemy or adversary, we're competing together, right? We are in the world together. So thanks be to God for a grace and opportunity to forgive and be forgiven. Amen. Now please stand as you are able and join me in reciting this church's historic Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth.